Welcome to Street Smart Success, where real estate entrepreneurs share their backgrounds, experience, and lessons learned. This is Roger Becker, your host. Learn with me as I drill down with guests about their paths to success and what they're doing now. So today, we have with us a man who I have just in the last week met, and he and I are kind of uh, members of a budding uh, investor club. Uh, We haven't even decided on the name yet, but I know he's got a tremendous amount of experience and therefore input, and he's been on at least another podcast, if not more. And so I've been excited, you know, after I invited him a week ago that he's coming on to have this conversation. Uh, He is a passive entrepreneurial investor, and he is Joe Giuliati. Joe, welcome to Street Smart Success. Awesome. Thanks, Roger. Appreciate being here. Looking forward to chatting with you today. Yep. Makes two of us. So Joe, give me the Joe background. I think you're up in the Northwest, but you can correct me. Uh, Are you like most that actually aren't from there originally? How did you, or born and raised? Just what's the background, man? What was it like uh, being Joe growing up? Okay. Yeah. So growing up, I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, really. Just a little bit east of the Oakland area and Tri-Valley region for those that are in that area. But uh you know, I uh, grew up there, went to school in the Bay Area, you know, went through uh, engineering school, um, started my engineering career there. Uh, and then about 25 years ago is when uh, my wife and I, uh, Robin, got married. Uh, and uh, right at that time, I had a job offer to come up to the Pacific Northwest, the Seattle area, and uh, come help build airplanes. Uh, so um, we, uh, you know, as we got married, we moved up here right away at that point. And uh, uh, that's where we've been ever since. Let's see. So uh, as I said, uh, engineering has been my career. Designing airplanes is what I've been doing. Uh, and, and just actually wrapped up that career about a year ago. And uh, my wife was an educator, elementary school ages, and uh, she wrapped up her career too, uh, a little bit on the early side for us. Uh, um, but, uh, you know, allows us to, to kind of enjoy this phase of life. Uh, we have two boys, 21 and 18 year old. That's just finishing high school and about ready to start college, uh, later this, uh, summer. So that's kind of the, the life a little bit, a sketch. And, you know, I can talk a little bit how we kind of got into investing, but I'll maybe pause here and see where you wanted to guide us. Okay. Well, first of all, some of our statistics are close. I, I got married uh, 20, going on 24 years ago, two boys, they're 20 and 18, about ready to turn 21 and 19. So, so, so similar there. Where in the Tri-Valley did you grow up? Yeah, specifically Livermore. Okay. So that was, when you grew up, it was a bunch of, uh, it was, it was rural. Now it's like, it was rural. Now it's like a mini wine country out there and just hopping little place. My mom's still there in the house I was raised in. So I get back there, you know, a couple times a year. Yeah, I got it. Um, I live in Alameda. So west of there, you know, 10 yeah. the airport. Where did you go to engineering school? San Jose State University. Great school. Okay. And, and when you went up to build airport airplanes, uh, are you talking Boeing or who who'd you go to work? Yeah. For? 
Yeah, uh, I've been with Boeing for 24 years up here. We, meaning my wife and my younger son, a few years ago, did a Alaskan cruise, which, you know, I cruises are kind of cheesy, but we did it. And uh, anyway, on our way up, we were in Seattle and we actually went to see the Boeing factory and uh the sheer magnitude was just it's like unbelievable you know kind of makes sense right airplanes are big right (laughs) so that was cool okay well well thanks for bearing with let's get into uh passive investing how did you get in and what's what's been the path and you making money? are you losing money Uh, our journey started really 25 years ago, and it kind of uh, really by out of necessity, I'll call it. You know, at the time, my wife and I, we got married, uh, you know, a little more on the older side. We were closer to 30. We each had, you know, each had started our careers, but we each had bought our own private, you know, our own first home at that point. And so when we were moving up to Seattle, you know, we were in a position of selling those. Uh, I sold my single family uh, residence and uh, she was in a situation just economically in the area she was in and where she bought. She was upside down in in that particular uh, property. So uh, ergo, you know, it turned into a rental, our first rental for us. So um, that was kind of the germination, really. And uh, we hung on to that and kind of rode that bubble right before the bubble popped. and. Uh, got out of that place and ended up uh, bringing, uh, you know, the equity that we had uh, up to the Northwest here and uh, eventually turned uh, our it into about four duplex properties that we held uh, up here in uh, the Seattle region for, you know, up till just a couple of years ago, really, then we started, uh, we got uh, started selling those off two at a time. And now we've, we've finished with our privately held and Maybe I'll pause there, but that's kind of where then we transition into the the purely passive, I'll call it. <laughs> okay. And so, uh, again, parallel with me, man. I said, man, I started with a duplex in San Francisco. I lived in one, rented the other one out. The only thing is when I say we got married older, we were almost 40. You were saying you're almost 30. So we were really <laughs> late. But anyway, okay, so you, you've sold all those and you're, you've redeployed and are redeploying that into passive stuff because why? Yeah, so I guess I'll just talk through that a little bit uh, and the decision around that. Um, you know, we kind of viewed our, you know, portfolio of duplex properties, we kind of viewed those a bit passively. Um, we had a property manager, you know, we both had day jobs. So we put a property manager in place. They were newer, newish properties when we bought them. So they didn't require a lot of, you know, attention, uh, money. But quite frankly, for many years, they just didn't kick off much of any cash flow. They just kind of paid for themselves. But they were long-term holds for us. Uh, and so we were okay with that. When we were deciding about four years ago to kind of restructure some things in our financial house, uh, we sold off two of them. And that's where I had some capital that came out of that sale that, you know, at the time I was consuming a lot of podcast material as it, you know, that was available and listening to syndications and all of a sudden just had learned that I can participate in some of these syndications as a LP, a limited partner. 
And so, um, you know, kind of dove in to a couple of the sponsors that I was listening to at the time and, uh, you know, kind of went through that, you know, qualification process, if you will. And then, you know, we dipped our toe in on a couple of investments uh, at that point and to gain that experience of what's this like? Okay, this is purely passive in that regard. They're managing those properties and we're just getting a cash flow kick from that. And all of a sudden the light went on when those just started working, you know, like clockwork. And it was like, wow, this is this this is cool. Uh and you know, we were fairly confident that nobody was going to call us and, you know, certainly tell us that the dishwasher broke, uh, much less anything else. You know, our investment was made and we're, you know, all that was kind of that maintenance, if you will, the upkeep was all figured into our return number. So that's that's kind of where our you know a shift to change in terms of how we wanted to go uh, down the road, and as we were kind of in this later stage of life, you know, and not knowing if we were going to even stay here, why did we want to hang on to property in this area anymore, you know? And so we then made the decision a couple of years later. It turned out to be uh, well, we completed the sale in the last two just last year. Uh, about one year ago and uh, decided to go, you know, like I said, 100% into uh, passive investing uh, through the syndication opportunities. Are we making money? Yeah, you know, we're getting some decent cash flow. In fact, you know, uh, I, I guess I'll just say, you know, some some of them are are putting out cash flow now. Some of them, uh, the investments were more equity plays, so they're you know maybe a ground up build, and so there's a you know there'll be a turn on point for some cash flow um, soon, uh, but they haven't started yet. Um, so we kind of got a mix, but anyway, that's that's kind of that transition that we made um, and a little bit about why we made it. How many deals are you in and, and what does it shake out in terms of the asset classes? Yeah. So n- number of deals, uh, 35 is kind of the current count. And then we've got six that actually already went full cycle. You know, the last couple of years, things were just in that hot state. And so, you know, there, there was some quick, I'll say more flips, I guess you might call them. So we've got uh, 35 that are currently active, probably around a dozen different asset classes. And so that was the other beauty I came to you know, recognize is just that we can diversify in so many different ways, not only with the operating sponsor, but different geographies and different asset classes and kind of try to, uh, you know, have a little bit of a hedge across our portfolio in some of these different asset classes. The highest number by or the, the biggest percentage by our portfolio value is, is still in the multifamily category. That's kind of where we first dipped our toe in. Uh, and that's what we knew from the duplex holdings, you know. So that made sense, and and that's what we're heavily into. Um, probably the next category is I'm going to call it business services. So so there's there's a group of these investments that are more kind of the operating business. Um, I'll just throw out one that's in that category that's kind of significant that we went into last year, and that's car washes. Uh, and then we've done quite a few uh, of the uh, triple net lease 
sort of investments and some that are in the industrial category and some that are in the commercial, you know, think like your Walgreens type commercial storefront. Self-storage has been uh, a great one. In fact, quite a handful of our full cycle ones were in the self-storage that performed very well for us, um, very bullish on the, the storage grouping. So anyway, that's just a little bit of color, but I'll maybe pause there, see what kind of questions you got. Sure. Are you in any other uh, non-real estate uh, classes other than car washes? Yeah, so um, some others would be, um, you know, we did a couple of uh, that are uh, actually vineyards in Texas, uh, you know, and their objective really the business play there is to, you know, plant grapes, grow grapes, and then sell it to a somebody that's going to turn it into wine. But that's kind of where it stops is at that sale. Uh, so. So there's still a land, there's still a real estate component underlying, but really it's it's kind of a, a, an operating business. So that's kind of how I color that. Let's see another one that would uh, be in that category. Um, we did do one uh, hotel deal in the uh, uh, South Carolina last year. And, you know, again, there's real estate involved, certainly. I'm kind of coloring some of this stuff in terms of, you know, business versus real estate. If you if you kind of look at the K one and look at how it's money if it comes in as rental real estate versus business is kind of how I'm coloring some of my categories. In in with that hotel, what's the nature of it? Is it a, is it a branded hotel? Is it a value yeah. add play? And what's yeah, it's a it's a value add. It's a Holiday Inn Express, and it's on the Hilton Head Island. Uh, and yeah, the idea was to, there was a, some partial refurbishment that would has ha, had happened and it was to finish that refurbishment and, uh, you know, do a few other things to um, get it uh, up to up to snuff and up to times. Hey, Street Smart listeners, I'd like to introduce a great partner for you. As you know, insurance is one of the biggest expenses on the P&L. That's why I'm recommending Assured Partners. Assured Partners helps you lower risk and therefore can save you tons of money down the road. They insure over 2 million market rate and affordable units and are the sixth largest insurance property broker in the U.S. If you want a roll-your-sleeves-up partner that blankets you with service, give Robert Band, vice president, a call. Robert thinks like a CFO because he was a CFO for many years. Give Robert a call now at 305-467-5909. You'll be glad you did. Are you at the tail end of the value add process in terms of at least that you are? Is it, yeah. is it are you seeing any checks or? Oh, yeah. Yeah, actually, um, you know, and through actually through the process, it started kicking off some distribution right away. I mean, it wasn't significant, um, but uh, now that will, you know, it's, it's starting to ramp up. And of course, we're going into probably the better part of that season to see that. And and how do you identify that sponsor? Maybe say some more. What do you mean? How, 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 how did you find the operator, the, the sponsor of the deal? Yeah, so um, actually found them through, uh, uh, we did a multifamily with them, um, one of our first ones, and did a couple more with them. And so, you know, we've had some experience with them and they were had proven successful. They, you know, started uh, looking into this uh, hospitality, you know, area and, and brought somebody on their team that had some 
some experience doing that. And so, you know, we went into it with them. And how did you find them originally, even to do the multifamily stuff with them? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of funny when I think back at how I, I found, you know, some of my first ones, but that one of the first ones I found was through a po- uh, the main podcast that I was listening to uh, kind of on a repeated basis. And we did, you know, with the, him, we did our first particular uh, multifamily. And uh, through just my kind of studying as I went into, you know, was doing the docs, I I learned that he had some co-GPs that were coming in with him on that and, you know, kind of went and figured, okay, well, he's qualified these co-GPs. Let me go root them out. And so by association, I went and tracked through them. And that's what led me to this other group that uh, we ended up going with. So... And fortunately, I didn't have any strategy of how to qualify sponsors day one. Uh, You know, it's been working out for me quite well, but uh, it's I've I've certainly created more of a robust play on how to look at new sponsors. What is that entail? (laughs) Yeah. So I've, I've kind of created a little list, uh, you know, and and so my my first process, you know, there's so many. There's so many syndicators out there these days, and there's so many different opportunities out there. Um, but first and foremost, I, I got to qualify that sponsor syndicator team. And I've developed kind of a little checklist, if you will, with some qualifiers. And these things are, are you know, really on the artsy side of, of you know, it's not, it's not a math problem, right? It's, it's, you know, it's very subjective. And what I learned that, quite frankly, I didn't do very well at the beginning is is it takes time. It takes time to develop a relationship with these folks that you want to um, consider and, and find out how they operate. You know, or is this a person of you know high integrity? Well, you're you're not going to learn that on one conversation. You know, and quite frankly, you're going to learn that better probably from a third party, from somebody else that has some experience with them. And and so that's been my my best method really is to find somebody else that has some experience and quite frankly, has some experience with going through some trouble that they can speak to. And here's how this particular operator handled. And it either turned out well or didn't. Both are good outcomes if that operator learned something and was able to improve uh, going forward. Mm. Uh, I agree with you. I've made untold uh, mistakes that have cost me dearly. And it's interesting coming from an engineer perspective, which you are to say it's it's more art than math. Uh, you figured that out. You know, the, the a performa is a generic. Putting a performa together is a is a generic process. Frankly, anybody can do it, and, and an operator can frankly even hire that out to a consultant. They didn't even necessarily do it. So right. the variable is like the is the execution of the, of the business plan, and then all everything that goes into that. So. To me, that's I, I'm. I agree with you 100. percent I mean, it, 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 and and furthermore, since I don't have decades of experience in real estate, and I'm like you, I owned a handful of properties, right? Uh, that I can't really get that level of expertise anyway, and I'm not necessarily sure I even want to. So at the end of the day, I got to figure out how do I vet sponsors. I mean, that's really that's yeah. really it. Um, so I'm, I am with you. So I guess. 
you know, what, what did I want to ask you? So, so that's kind of, so how, how do you find the other, you know, people with experience with that sponsor and, you know, what is, what is all the, and what are the other factors that you're looking at as well? Yeah. Finding, finding other people to talk about it is just simply for me, it's been through networking. And, you know, last year when, you know, when I did, you know, put an end to my engineering career and had some additional time in my day, you know, this, this uh, kind of um, work around investing, you know, uh, became kind of my new job, if you will. And so I had some time to invest in it and got on some of these networking meetups and uh got connected with other people and 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 then you you, you know you, you learn a lot by by that method so that was that was my uh method of of uh kind of learning that third party view of different sponsors um the other thing that i do as you mentioned you know and and as i you know made the mention that uh, I, I did spend uh, my career 30 years in engineering. And and so uh, I do like spreadsheets. I do like numbers. And so I, I like digging into the underwriting. And, and, and that's been another thing that I've kind of, you know, been, you know, kind of self-teaching myself, if you will, you know, and everybody's got, you know, an underwriting model. And uh, like you said, it, you know, that could be almost programmatic, but um, the assumptions that go into that vary from one operator to another. And so I like to look at that and um, understand uh, how they, you know, put together this pro forma that suggests they're going to meet certain returns. And, and so that allows me another place, you know, it seems like all syndicators that I've run across always talk about that they're very conservative underwriting. Well, uh, you know, that's a relative term. Uh, so, you know, show me under the hood. And so that's where I like to get that underwriting model and look under the hood myself. I'm not going to go recreate the underwriting model, but I can at least inspect it and see you know, how they're uh, inputting some of those assumptions. So that's the other thing I like to spend time on when I'm evaluating the deal. Joe, how many approximately, you said multifamily, you know, and you're in a lot of deals. I guess the first question is before I ask that, how many sponsors would you say you're involved in? That's probably on the order of uh, 15 or 16, which is you know quite a lot, quite frankly, as I look back, probably too many. Now, some of that was just because I I was seeking some of these different asset classes, uh, and and some of those I sought for particular a particular strategy that maybe I can mention here in a minute. But probably the lion's share of our portfolio by value again is in um, less than half a dozen sponsors. Got it. Um, okay, so you're you're heavy up on a handful on multifamily. I'll throw out a, a, a chilling statistic, and that is, uh, I've heard, you know, I've listened, because I'm like you, I listen to other podcasts too. I've heard and believe that 40% of sponsors or 40% of borrowers of multifamily that are in floating rate debt will be unable to refinance. And because their cost of borrowing's going up, they don't have the right DSCR, you know, they, occupancy, rents down, expenses up, et cetera, et cetera. So I guess as a brushstroke, you know, how are your multifamilies doing? Are they, have you had any stop distributions or reduced distributions or 
you know, what's the general experience right these days? Yep. And this kind of started uh, probably around the start of the year where a handful of them, uh, I had one or two that did pause for a couple of months. And I had some that actually flipped from monthly distributions to quarterly. And now some some of those are now run winding. Uh, In other words, they're going back to monthly. And and then I've got some that are, um, you know, that are talking about, you know, pausing, uh, you know, later on in the year as they're looking to maybe go into a refi situation and, and, you know, try to create some capitalization in their play there. But, uh, that's kind of where where things are. I mean, nothing as as you know gone. I, I've kind of I've gone, of course, back through all of mine and looked at where they're sitting, where I'm sitting in these with the debt position. And I had a mix um, that some had you know gone right away into fixed, and some did choose a variable debt with uh, cap rates or cap uh, a cap on it, a uh, rate cap that uh, of course you know has hit, and and so now they're at a different distribution position given that rate cap. Um, and so those, some of those positions, they're looking at just trying to finish up their execution on their value add to kind of convert some of those rentals uh, into higher, you know, higher rent uh, uh, income. Hmm. If so, you're in, you're in with about twelve to fifteen sponsors. Is that what you said? Yeah. Uh, how many of those would you reinvest with, given the experience you've had with them? to date there's probably only maybe i'd say 10 or 15 percent might i i probably would not okay and um for for reasons such as uh communication you know uh you know there's there's one i can think of that i i just their communication is really poor and you know they're they're playing out they're distributing money they're playing out their business plan you know but it it's just uh I don't particularly care for their communication. So so there is a, a few that I just wouldn't use again. But by and large, the majority of them I would I would use again. And quite frankly, I would probably stick with my qualified set rather than take, I'll say, take the risk of probably qualifying somebody new at this point, especially in this environment. Mm. Well, you, you've been fortunate because I, I would say for me, it's the inverse and I, I'm in, a, oh. in about 12 to 15 sponsors and there's probably 15% I would stick with. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, for various reasons and not all performance, but some of it is exactly what you're saying is, um, communication. A couple of them, I realized they just wanted my money and, you know, I'm needy, right? And that, and there, so the, 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 the performance is there, but I just have grown to, to dislike them. And uh, I, I didn't think that would be important to me a few years ago. I used to keep hearing, ah, no like and trust. And I'm thinking, I don't need to like you, man. If you're making my, making money, I've learned uh, this about myself. I do need to like them because I'm the guy, even when things are going right, and let's say I'm getting the checks, but then I see something in the news that could be a potential headwind for that category, just as an example. And I shoot off an email going, hey, I read this in the Wall Street Journal and what do you think? And I get a defensive or, or, or no response or whatever, you know, or I just want any kind of clarification. 
you know, because there, there are people that they're just of the personality type. They're very warm and fuzzy uh, until you cut the check or wire the money and then they're not. And right. I, I hate that. So those right. are people I wouldn't invest with. Because the other thing is, is now, yes, even though the existing business plan is, is materializing, I'm getting my checks, I can't trust you now. And the thing is, is, is things, bad things happen and are going to happen for every one of these people, just because yeah. that's, that's business. And so right. I would, it, I, I've surprised myself that way. No, I, 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 it's really important to me that I like the person period. So on these meetups, Joe, are there meetups that are just for like guys like you and me that are passive investors or uh, the hand? And I haven't looked at this enough and I, then you're, you're really pushing me here. It seems like they're all other, other sponsors getting together or how to raise money or this or that. So I was wondering what that looks yeah. like. In these meetups that I had uh, latched onto, by and large, it's, it's kind of that group of syndicators that are either, you know, trying to become a syndicator uh, and, and looking for a crowd. And it's less folks like myself. So the, there's just a really small number Left Field Investor is one, you know, both podcast and kind of group out there. They seem to, you know, be more of just that passive community. Uh, community. But uh, yeah, I'm typically the uh, the the minor in these meetups. But I still learn by listening to how they talk as syndicators. It still gives me that side of the table that I can better understand and maybe navigate. Well, I'm with you loud and clear, but just gives me an idea that, uh, and this is kind of what the little group that you and I seem to have met in, uh, in its incipient stages, uh, it seems to me like there could be a real place for a, for a meetup for just passive investors that just right. kind of go on record and say, hey, here's this sponsor, that's man, here's this deal, that deal, um, because, you and I, were, you know, I've been doing this just passive for the last few years, kind of dovetailing out of what I've been doing all these years and in some way, shape or form. And uh, so we're, you and I, like our, our timelines are similar. And I find that uh, if you're doing it right, it's a real process. It does require commitment time. And to your point, networking, right? Because right. it's really scary to, to wire money to somebody that you don't have a third party endorsement from because then you're just trusting your own gut these people live yeah. across the country half the time and man right. that once that money goes you got zero uh right. control right <laughs> it's a dicey it's a nerve-wracking process and so anyway and, uh, and let me just add to that when i got even kind of that rude awakening on to my own gut senses is last year, late last year, there were a couple of stories that came out of some some syndicators that I had listened to on these podcasts and one that I actually ended up having some extended conversation with. And they got hit with charges, indicted, you know, for Ponzi scheme stuff. And that rattled my cage. And, you know, and so, yeah, like, like you mentioned, you know, it's, you know, our, our own gut only can only give us so much. And then we're kind of on a prayer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, so it's like, it's a, I was talking to somebody in our group, I think Andy the other day, and I said, it's a process of ruthless exclusion. It's like anything that can come up that says, ah, I don't feel quite right about this. Don't invest, whatever it is. 
But other than that, it, at the end of the day, man, it's, it's a judgment call. Well, Joe, you have anything else to add? So, you know, one of the things I, I do like to do since I've kind of learned, I feel like this has been, since I've picked up on this, I feel like this is the biggest, you know, secret. It's like, how come I didn't learn about this, you know, so many years ago? And what I like to do at this stage is, and since I do spend a considerable amount of time in this space to try to just become smarter myself, I love to like hook up other people that, you know, maybe weren't in that position where they had their own rental real estate that because that wasn't their thing, but they could kind of jump into uh, something like a passive position, you know, again, with some good counsel, some good guidance from somebody with some experience. So I love sharing those elements with uh, just neighbors, friends, you know, et cetera, um, and giving them a, a different uh, way of investing beyond just the market. So anyway, I guess I'll just throw that out there that that's what uh, I like to spend some time doing. If somebody, God forbid, is listening to this and wants to contact you, how would they do it? The, you know, my social position out there is really through LinkedIn. Right? I don't do Facebook, actually. So, but I'm I'm available on LinkedIn and uh, appreciate, you know, making connections. It's often how I've developed some of this network, like you and I, is kind of through that route. So that's how somebody can find me. Fair enough. Well, you and I will be in touch, uh, I'm sure, uh, frequently, and I look forward to it. And uh, what, a, what a great way to meet you. So, Joe, I appreciate the time and uh, we, will, we will be in touch. All right. Thanks a lot, Robin. Talk to you soon. Yeah.